Jeremiah 29:11 is a very familiar uh, passage of scripture. And we're going to read it first and then we'll get into we'll get into some specifics. For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now that's a that's a pretty familiar text and Christians use this a lot. A little background, just briefly on this. It wasn't exactly a favorable time. It wasn't exactly an opportune time. Um, in fact, the Israelites were in Babylonian captivity when Jeremiah wrote these words. Hananiah was a different issue. Hananiah was a false prophet who during this period had said, well, God is going to destroy Babylon in two years. And if you're a Israelite and you're in bondage, you kind of like that message. It's, it's kind of a, a good message. But it was false. Now Jeremiah comes along and he writes a letter. This is the letter that, that he wrote. No, it's not going to be two years. It's going to be 70. So here you have Hananiah, the false prophet, who said two years. By the way, God erased him from history. Uh, Hananiah said it's going to be two years, and Babylonians going to fall, and we're going to be back. And you could hear the crowds, man. They would be excited, right? You've been in, you don't want to hear that you're going to be in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. And so that's kind of the background here. It, it was not an opportune time. And I, and I think about um, I think about what we're going through as believers, uh, well, and people in general. We're not in very good times. We're not in, I mean, if you watch the news at any length, you realize we're not in good times. Uh, Statues are being torn down. People are rioting in the streets, killing police, uh, financial instability in homes. Uh, they're supposed to get a second uh, stimulus check. We don't know when. Uh, but not, a, not very good times. I thought this would be a good, a good verse for us tonight. And the, the teaching that I want to look at tonight is trust God. Now, I know some scholars write on this and I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper and, and all of that, and that's fine. But the central issue, at least as I look at this text in light of the larger context, the central issue is trusting God. That's the central issue, is to trust God. Um, I wrote a little brief overview here. Christians facing difficult situations today can take comfort in Jeremiah 29 11 that's true knowing that it is not a promise of immediate rescue from hardship or suffering not immediately but rather a promise that God has a plan for our lives and regardless of the current situation no matter where you are tonight no matter what's going on in your life and it may look bad and it may look dark this text applies to you it applied to the nation of Israel. It applies to us. I happen to believe uh, Scripture is alive at, at all periods of, of time for our lives. 
And regardless of the current situation, he can work through it to prosper us and give us a hope and a future. So I want to look at three things tonight. The first thing that I want to look at is, first of all, God knows where you are in your life. I hope this, I really hope this little sermonette, if you could call it that, speaks to you. God knows where you are in your life right now tonight. He knows you may not be able to make your bills because you can't go back to work. He knows uh, that, that you're going through hardships, uh, just all kinds of things. But God knows where you are tonight. Now, I notice here he writes, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. That seems rather simple. This word know is yada. Uh, that's, a, that's a cool word, yada. And that's the word for no. It's a qual verb. And that the different stems of the Hebrew language mean different things. For example, there's 14 different meanings of this word, I know. Yada. And this word, I know, means to possess information. See, you can go to your friends and you can ask them what, what they think and what they think and and. And, and, and you can pursue that, and I guess that's okay. But ultimately, God knows. He, he, knows the, he knows the plan. He possesses the information. He possesses the information. I know I've got three people here. I'll start looking at you now because I've been looking at the camera for 10 minutes. But he knows where you are. He possesses information that we do not have. Do you know we get into trouble when we start trying to possess information that we don't have? Even these first opening few words, for I know, points that we need to trust God. Yada. Then he says, <coughs> excuse me. Then he says, for I know the plans I have for you. Mahasheva. Mahasheva, that's, I, I love the Hebrew language, is, is the word for plans. It has four different meanings in the Hebrew text. It can mean a thought, and you read it this way, for I possess information about a thought, that doesn't fit. I pos uh, a creation uh, to create a decision, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Plan, but more importantly, it means purpose. For I possess information that has a purpose. The word also conveys the idea of plot. Hmm. Now that's interesting. Because if God knows the information, he also knows the plot. Talking about your life, talking about your life, he's got this, there is a plot. Um, There is a grand design. This is, uh, of course, an architect drew this up. It's floor plans. It is a design. And then the builder comes along and he implements the design to, to build it. God has a plot or a plan for your life. He is the grand architect. And so what that means is, I have to trust him. I don't try to become the architect in my life. 
I allow God to be the architect for him to establish the plan. But this word also, and I just talked about it, is the word plot. Now, you haven't been to the movies since whenever they shut it down, mid-March, somewhere in there. They shut the movie theaters down. But every movie that you go see that's worth anything has some type of plot, right? The writer has written a script, and he has written the whole play from the beginning to the end. And so he has written this, this play, and the actors come along and they enact those plays. And then they, they follow the plot. Sometimes the plots have a different twist, and, and sometimes you don't expect the, uh, the plot to end that way. But here, God has a, he knows. See, this is the issue. He knows. I don't know everything, regardless of my circumstance right now. I don't know that. So the issue is, in your life and mine, the issue is to trust him with what he knows and the plot that he has for my life. And that, that's pretty difficult to do at, at times. Even the word declared, Nahum, Nahum. The word declared, so beautiful. The, I wish you could maybe get a Hebrew Bible and look at the beautiful language. It is a prophetic discourse. This word, declares, is a prophetic discourse discourse. That means that it will come true because God said it. And therefore, I have to trust him. I have to trust that God knows me. He knows my circumstance. But see, what we don't see is what is down the road. It may look bad, and it may look dark, and it may look bleak. But that's, that's part of the storyline, if, if, if you want to say it that way. That's part of the storyline of your life. When I look back over my life, yeah, the grand architect was at work in my life. I can see it better looking back than I can see it looking forward. And there's some things I don't understand. But what we have to get back to is the idea of trusting him with the plot, the story, and, and the architect that, that he has designed for us in the grand scheme of things. Think about your life for a minute. Think about people you just happen to come in contact with and that you just happen to share the gospel. Did that just come out? Did that just happen randomly? No. God has a plot for you. That's how, that's how much, and, and even within the plot, what makes God so awesome is even within the plot, when, when we take matters in our own hands and we go the wrong direction, God eventually pushes us back where he wants us to be. That's the wonderful thing. You can never escape God's, God's plot for your life. It is declared. It is prophetic. I'm not talking about charismatic and shalomahai and all that stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that God has a plan. He had a plan for the nation of Israel. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for my life. And we need to trust him. That's the issue of trust. That's what screams off of these words. You have to trust. Because everything that I've said to this point is all on God. It's not on me. Did you catch that? This isn't about how I'm going to try to orchestrate my life, and I'm going to scheme, and I'm going to try to work things to where I get where I need to be. I saw a bunch of that uh, in, in Bible college. People trying to scheme and work things out where they, they get a good church. No. See, I, I, I had an old deacon once tell me, 
um, to seek to live your life without planning and plotting. That's God's job. That's true. That doesn't mean that we can't uh, improve our, our situation. But ultimately, ultimately, we have to trust God here, folks. And then the last one is, you know this word, Lord, Yodehavev, or Yahweh, and you know who Yahweh is. Yahweh is the one true God in the nation of Israel. So this very first statement here, <laughs> this very first statement puts it right out there. God knows where you are tonight. That's point number one. God knows where you are tonight in your walk with him, in your circumstances in life. But look, it's just like if you're watching a movie and you don't like the way the plot's going. I think that happened to me one or two times when I was watching a movie. I almost got up and left. Many times Christians get up and leave. And they wander off. Rather than sticking in the trenches and allowing God's plan to be fulfilled in their life. And so they get off track. Don't worry. You do that. God's got a plan anyway. It's not like he goes, uh-oh, Mike's doing this. That's all right. I'll, 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 make, it, I'll make it work. <laughs> here's, here's the thing about trying to get out of a situation. If you try to get out of a situation, and this has been true in my life. Oh, man, there was a one church I really wanted to get out of. But um, if you get out of that situation, you can maneuver things. You know what you're going to find? You're going to find the exact same thing again in a, in a different form. It's going to bring you back to God's plot. You're going to learn. Listen, listen, brothers and sisters, those of you that are watching, those that are here tonight, you're going to learn what God wants you to learn. You're not going to escape that because God has a plan for your life. Now, secondly, not only does God know where you live, and he knows your life. Again, I want you to see the trust issue. We've got to trust him with this. I can't say that enough. I fail... People here fail, you fail, but we got to get back to trusting God. We just have to trust him. That's, that's what we got to do. And we just have to go, you know what, God? I don't understand this, but I'm going to trust you with it. It's just easier to have him do it than me trying to sit, figure things out, how I'm going to move. Um, this is how we like to try to view our Christian life. <laughs> I, I, I love the image of maze because we kind of see this and we think, how can we man maneuver? And really in God's economy, it's nothing like this. Think of it this way. God knew the day you were born. God knew the day that you were formed. And if God knows the day that I was formed, he knows my life and he's waiting for the culmination of his plan in your life and mine and when that plan is over we go home to be with him and don't don't try to be in the maze and and try to try to get out of things it just doesn't it doesn't go well secondly god cares for you now notice what uh jeremiah writes secondly For I know the plans I have for you, declare the Lord. Plans for welfare and not 
evil. The word for welfare here has nine different meanings. You know what the word is? I know you know it. You've heard it. You've probably said it. Is the word shalom. When you hear the word shalom, what do you think? You immediately think about peace. And that's exactly what this word is. Let me read it again. For I have all knowledge and know all things, and I have a plot for your life. It is promised, says the Lord, plans for peace. Peace. That word has nine different meanings, but ultimately it means peace. Shalom. It's a supernatural peace. Wait a minute. We've heard that before somewhere. Oh, by the way, Jesus said it. He said it in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. God gives it here too. I do not give you as the world gives. The, you, think about, <clears throat> you think about the world today. You know, <clears throat> I was watching this series, a very good series, by the way, uh, uh, The Men Who Built America, and I'm trying to remember the other, The Frontiersmen. Excellent series. But I noticed throughout that series that everybody made peace treaties and then broke them. That's the world's peace. The world's peace is temporal. It's circumstantial. Jesus said, I don't give you that kind of peace. I'm not going to give you the shalom peace that can calm your heart. I'm not going to give you that. That's not what I'm offering you. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Hey, wait a minute. Shalom. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. I don't care where you are tonight. I mean, I do care where you are tonight, you know. But I, I don't care what, what the circumstance is. Again, the issue is trust. Again, it comes back to the issue of trust. Not just that God has a plan for your life, but he wants to give you peace. You cannot find peace when you don't believe that God has your best interest at heart. You cannot find peace. It's hard to do. And he says here, plans for welfare. God, not, not, not like we know welfare, but uh, that, and it means nine different things, but here particularly it means God gives peace. It also refers to, listen to this, this is, it's kind of, if, if you were a Hebrew reading this, of course you understand the stems and stuff because you're reading it. But do you know what this also means in, in that same train? It means peace, shalom, but it also means a favorable circumstance. Can you imagine being an Israelite reading this? I'm not seeing a favorable circumstance, God. Hananiah is sounding pretty good. Two years and done. That sounds better than 70, right? <laughs> you do the math. But it, it, it has this idea of a favorable circumstance. Even though you're in an unfavorable or a non-favorable circumstance at this point in your life. That's because God has a plan. Don't get up and leave before the plan's finished. You have to stay with it. Now, he goes on to write here. 
this is a this is key. I think it's key, and I think it's why Jeremiah put it in here. Um, he wrote this: plans for welfare and not evil. We have seen, at least if you've listened to my sermons at any time at, at length, particularly in the Old Testament, I've covered this word before. Evil is the word raha. Raha refers to wickedness, wrongdoing, or harm. God cares for you. He gives you peace, favorable circumstances. Boy, that sounds a lot like Horace in the, in the New Testament. God's grace. Unmerited, undeserved. That sounds a lot like it. It's very similar. So, here now is a contrast between God and his character. Adonai, El Shaddai, Yodehave. This is the character of God. It is not evil. In fact, John writes, in him there is no darkness. There's only goodness in God. There's darkness in us. And I hope this is sinking in. I hope it's helping. I hope it's maybe encouraging you. Look, what happens is when we get in bad places, the first default is depression, anger, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Don't lie. You're... Don't lie. You know it's true. Um, you get in these, these places. And what's the first thing that happens? You start accusing God. There's been some people that's done that. Throughout the scripture. God's not the author of evil. God is not out to harm us. God allows stuff to happen to us. I get that. And it may not be comfortable. But you have to default back to the first thing that we talked about. God knows where you are and he has a plan for your life. You just have to deal with it. And you have to allow that plan to, to develop. God is not the author of evil. He is not the author of wanting to hurt you. God is not evil. And sometimes Christians strike out and they go, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this? Been there, done that. But God gives us peace in a favorable circumstance rather than evil. Evil comes from, you know this, the evil one. That's where evil comes from. Would you agree with me the Apostle Paul had just a wonderful life? <laughs> no. The Apostle Paul, if, if he would have applied for a church today, he would never get a pulpit. Because the pastor search committees would look at it, you were jailed this, uh, you were jailed this many times. Uh, no, sorry, you're not, you're not going to be. But the Apostle Paul had a rough life. All because he called on the name of Christ. Actually, he was really bad before he came to Christ. But in Philippians, Paul wrote something that was astounding. Because it was in the prison epistles. He was able to write this. This is what he wrote. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Philippians 4.4. 4. 
so rather than rather than blaming God for your circumstance for my circumstance for the circumstances here rather than blaming God why don't you just rejoice why don't you ask God this is something that you can do that we can that we can do is ask God for the shalom peace of Jeremiah 29:11 just ask him for it and then kind of give it to him that's hard to do but you can't fly the plane you shouldn't even be in the cockpit we need to be as we flew a couple of weeks ago to Florida I didn't fly that plane I let the captain fly the plane I sat back and just took pictures out the window that's the way we need to get to in our Christian life is allow God to fly our lives after all he's the friendly skies right? <laughs> I figured you might like that yes I know it's corny but okay so number one God knows where you live number two God cares for you and then lastly I said it would be about 30 minute sermon so about about right God gives a hopeful future notice for I know everything I've got a plot for your life it is promised I want to give you peace I am not evil I am not out to hurt you I'm paraphrasing what I just covered for the last 30 minutes to give listen to give you a future he's writing this to the nation of Israel um, Israel wants out of this Jeremiah knows it but Jeremiah Jeremiah had a kind of a close relationship with God that Hananiah didn't have and Hananiah was a fool but Jeremiah was a man of God and he realized look you just wait you just wait there's a hopeful future even think of it this way brothers and sisters if everything in your life fails if if you're if if God's storyline for you is that you never get anything do you know even within that scenario you get everything because at the end of that struggle you go to see him face to face hopeful future now I'm, I'm praying that's not the case that you're always in the mud um, but I, I'm, I'm praying that, that, that God will bless you. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want, you, I want you to understand, if you're struggling tonight, let go. Just let it go. Let God take it. There, we're not done yet. <clears throat> I'm, I'm sorry, this is going to go a lot longer than I thought. All right. To give you a future and a hope. I love how these words just all over the page. Not talk. Natan. And that is the word give. All right. So God knows the plan. He's got, our, he's got this life. God going. He's not out to hurt us. And here's what Jer the word that Jeremiah used. By the way, 22 different meetings. But because I have this great program, I'm able to define what the one true meaning is. This is what that word means. I want you to listen to this. I'm going to read it to you just as it's read in the lexicon. To place an object in the possession or control of someone. 
He just gives it to you. And you can take that. By the way, God's a giver. He gave us salvation in Christ. He gives us eternal security. I mean, just gives, 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 gives. We're, we're takers a lot. We're takers who should be trusting. But sometimes we don't. So this, this word means that God gives us something. It's promised, declares the Lord. It's prophetic. Interesting. The debate on the inerrancy of Scripture and the infallibility and the, and the uh, uh, all, all of those aspects and the inspiration of Scripture, it is inspired. No human could write stuff like this. It is inspired by God, given by God. Just ask Hananiah, who said, you'd have a clue. <laughs> he did afterwards, but um, he gives us something that we can take. I want you to understand this. I want you to grab in your heart, I want you to grab God's promise for your life. You see that? God has a promise. He loves you. He's going to care for you. He's going to take care of you. He has a plan for your life. He's going to follow it. You're never outside of God's grace. He gives you shalom in a favorable circumstance, even though the world would look at it like Job's friends. Whoa. What did you do? And he's able to go right when he just gives it to us. Just take it. Claim it. Regardless of what you're... I mean, you may be down to your last dollar in your checkbook and you've got a bunch of bills. I'm going to tell you, God's going to take care of it. He always does. He always, come, he always comes through. Stop worrying about that stuff. Start trusting him. Start trusting him with, with your life. Um... When I was a senior in high school, I, I played golf. That's how I got my, my letter. I started in 10th grade. And in my senior year, actually my junior year, um, <clears throat> I lettered. So I was pretty good at golf. I still am when I get a chance, but I haven't played in like a year. I did hit a bucket of balls the other day, and it was, it was kind of 50-50. Um, but when I was a senior in high school, and I was really good, my mom and my stepfather got me custom-made clubs. They were custom-made. They measured me, and I had custom-made clubs. When we look at this word give, it conveys the idea of custom-made. What is it tailored to? It's tailored to my life tailored to yours. That's why it's a bad idea to look across the street at what your neighbor has. Or maybe to look at what somebody in your company that's, that's up higher than you are. You know what I'm talking about. Where you're like, why is that guy getting everything and I'm not? It's custom fit. God has a plan. And then he goes on and he says this. I'm going to give you a future and a hope. The word future. A harit. A harit. And that has six different meanings. Um, but it means a point in time. Now I want you to think about it. God has already said, I've, out, I've outlined this whole thing. So the future is not now. It's not where you are right now. But there's a point in time. If I go past this... I'll go behind the screen and I'm not going to do that. But 
It's, it's not now. It's a future point. That God has a plan. So stick it out. Stay the course. It's future. I'm going to tell you. When you look back, you'll see how God sustained you. In spite of your flailing and wailing. and um, Charles Dyer, in his commentary, wrote this. The restoration of the exiles <clears throat> to Judah would happen only when God's 70 years of judgment was complete. 70 years. You and I think we got problems having to wait six months. 70 years is a long time. I'm not anywhere near 70 right now. I can't even imagine. I, these people must have had some type of unbelievable faith to trust in Jeremiah and his word. But it wouldn't be completed for 70 years. Then God would fulfill his gracious promise to restore the exiles to their land. See? It wasn't now. It wasn't where they were right now. But God said, I'm going to take care of this. This is, again, what does this tell me? Trust. This isn't about, I have a plan for you. It is. But the larger picture here is to trust God. That's the larger picture. It's to trust God. The 70-year exile was a part of God's plan to give Judah hope and a future. The word hope, tiwa, tiwa. Here's, this is where an understanding of the language is really open stuff up. Tiwa, confidence in regard to a good and beneficial future. So we trust him to when that point in time happens. And because we have a good God, even though we're stuck in the mire right now, we can look to the future and go, you know what, this is for our benefit. If everything comes easy, we don't appreciate it. So we need to get back to trusting God. James Smith, in his commentary, wrote this, and I'm going to close with this because I've gone way over. God's plan for the captives were positive, but not immediate. You've got to wait sometimes and just see what God does. He was planning for their welfare, future, and hope. The experience in Babylon would lead these Jews to genuine conversion. Think of this. Somebody may see your situation. I remember one lady in my first church. I could not believe her. She was happy no matter what was going on in her life. Quite frankly, she scared me. <laughs> but I know from her life that she was trusting God. And it wasn't just because her life was great. She had stuff that happened to her. But she had learned something that I hadn't learned, and I'm still learning, um, is to just trust him. 
the experience in Babylon would lead to genuine cons con conversion. They would call upon the Lord and he would listen to them. When they sought God with all of their heart, he would be found. And that is my understanding of Jeremiah 29, 11. Something we all need, I think, from time to time. It's to be reminded that God knows where we are, that he cares for us, and that he has a, a good future in mind for us, even though things don't look good right now. Is that where you are tonight? If it is, trust God.